Hello, everyone. Art Tomasetti here with the May edition of our podcast. As we continue to navigate our way through the COVID-19 situation, I hope that each of you is well, remaining resilient, and finding ways to mitigate risks and operate safely. Please continue to take care of yourselves, take care of your family, friends, teams, and communities. We continue with our monthly releases of the Flight Test Safety Fact and this podcast, and as always, we welcome your feedback. Let us know what you think and what you would be interested in hearing about. You can provide comments via your podcast download site, or you can email us at ftsc at flighttestsafety.org. That's Foxtot Tango Sierra Charlie at flighttestsafety.org. We would also ask that if you like what you hear, share it with others you think would benefit. For this month's focus topic, I was fortunate enough to conduct a phone interview with Mr. Andy Johnson, who is the Chief Risk Control Officer at Captive Resources. I had seen an article where Mr. Johnson discussed his six E's for safety and thought it would be a great topic for this podcast. All right, today I have the pleasure of talking with Mr. Andy Johnson. Uh, sir, if you could tell us a little bit about your current role and what you do. Uh, sure, I'm the Chief Risk Officer of a company called Captive Resources in Itasca, Illinois. And what we do is put together group captive insurance programs of companies who have a like mind towards preventing accidents, uh, treating their employees well, and taking control of their insurance destiny. In particular, my role there is overseeing the safety, the claims management resources brought to our uh, roughly 5,000 client uh, member companies around the country, again, to help them improve upon their already good safety activities and to take them from good to great. Excellent, sir. So I, I read an article where you talked about safety success and uh, the six E's of safety as you described it. Can you talk a little bit about that for our listeners? Sure. Uh, if there are any safety practitioners listening uh, uh, today, they would probably be familiar with the three E's of safety that are beaten into you and educated into you in, in any coursework that you might take, whether that be from the National Safety Council or a college degree program. And that talks about uh, a hierarchy of controls, basically. You try to engineer out as many risks in, a, in an operation as possible. So, so you, you take them away and they don't exist anymore. You don't have to worry about the safety implications. If you can't engineer things out, then you create an educational process to make people aware of what's going on, what the risks are associated with their job, uh, what they can do about it, and, and whether that be PPE or training or, or knowledge of, of the environment. And then as a part kind of overlaying on, all to on top of all of that is enforcement of any uh, particular safety rules you need to have if you couldn't engineer out the problem or educate away the, the issue on its way up the kind of hierarchy, if you imagine that. So those three E's have, have been there for, for a long, long, long time. I'm not sure who came up with those originally, but it probably goes back to the 20s or 30s. And then what I've kind of embedded into my conversations with people over the last 30 years in the safety business is adding on to those three E's the idea of of energizing people to, to really focus on safety as a part of their job and kind of built into their job, not, not apart from their job, but build it in, uh, energizing them, engaging them in the process, uh, getting them involved in safety and identifying what could be done that maybe hasn't been thought of to make their jobs safer uh, or to make the environment safer or to make their community safer. 
And then the, the other, the third E or the sixth E that I've added is empowering people and giving them that, uh, that uh, not only opportunity, but that authority to make changes, uh, to shut down operations, to hold their hand up and say, wait a minute, we need to stop everything right now and refocus a little bit because this that we're about to be doing or that we're doing right now is patently unsafe or dangerous. We need to, to take a step back. So I kind of added those three things in my conversations, and people generally tend to nod their heads and say, yeah, it kind of makes sense. If, if people aren't energized about what they're doing, they're not going to be as engaged. And if people aren't as engaged as they should be, they're certainly not going to bring energy to the table to make that decision to stop work if, uh, if, if they need to. And certainly if the company or organization hasn't empowered people to take that step back or to be able to say, yeah, you know, this doesn't feel quite right. I think we need to, to back off here you know, you're going to have serious problems. And, and, you know, I think we've seen that time and time again over the years when a post-action report has been done on an accident or incident, you know, a mine explosion, a, a shuttle disaster, anything where, where you can see a, a point in time where people didn't feel empowered to make that decision and to make to raise their hand and to step up and say, we need to stop something or we need to take a step back. And that kind of goes into why, you know, they hadn't been engaged thoroughly enough or energized to make those decisions on top of the engineering, the education, the enforcement that hopefully had already been in place. So it's kind of all fit together and they all build together in my mind. And, you know, you can, you can take it, take it uh, from there and, and talk about uh, how that could be um, empowering to people and, and how people could embrace that uh, in their own jobs. Sir, that's great. And, you know, it's uh, I'm, as a as a former Marine, I'm, I love simple things that are easy to understand and easy to digest. And I think those those six points definitely fit that category. So while they are easy to understand and, and probably easy to digest for most people, uh, obviously, there's always a challenge with with any of those. So as you look across those six E's that you described, which one would you say you think probably is the biggest challenge for organizations? Oh, wow. Uh, biggest challenge. Well, most organizations tend to have a pretty good idea of engineering things out, but they might miss little things around the edges. So it's probably more uh, kind of the engaging side and, and and getting people involved in the safety aspects of the job who do the job. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of people who are, are told, here's how you do your job, here's how you do it safely. And then the person who told them that walks away and they expect that that person will do it safely to the nth degree every time. But then that person realizes, wait, but this doesn't make sense. There's a a new uh, technique that could be brought to make this even safer or a different part of personal protective equipment or a different technique, something that could be done to enhance it, and they don't get that engagement from the people who are on the front line doing the work day-to-day. And and again, as I go by my other two E's, energizing and empowering them to come back and say, hey, Hey, boss, uh, or, or supervisor, or captain, or whoever it might be, we need to look at this a little differently. I know you told me this is how you want the job done, this is the safe way to do it, but I think we should think about this, whatever this is, to kind of up, up the game a little bit. So I think it's, it's a combination of those three, but that engaging and, and energizing, giving the frontline person, the actual worker, the opportunity to, 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 to give feedback and understand and and really have an impact on the safety of their job. I think that that engagement part, uh, involving them instead of just telling them, whatever the, the, the safety function might be. Excellent. 
Well, sir, thank you very much for your time today and sharing uh, your version of the six E's uh, for safety success with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me on. I appreciate it. So there you have it, Mr. Andy Johnson's six E's that he believes help capture what is needed to develop and sustain a positive and effective safety culture. The May issue of the Flight Test Safety Fact is now available. Inside this issue in the Chairman's Corner, Tom Huff talks about really cultivating our safety culture. He includes a review and his insights on safety promotion. You will also find a link to a presentation by Captain Megan Burke from the 413th Flight Test Squadron talking about the need to train test and evaluation professionals in the discipline of artificial intelligence. If you do not currently receive the Flight Test Safety Fact, you can go to the website www.flighttestsafety.org and just click on News at the top of the webpage to find the current issue. Before getting into the current event recap, I was able to catch up with Flight Test Safety Committee Chairman Tom Huff and get his thoughts on the two-day webinar that took place this week. So Tom just completed a two-day webinar event that took the place of the North American Flight Test Safety Workshop. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to do it and how you thought, think it went? Well, sure, but I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, admittedly, I'm a little exhausted, but uh, uh, as we discussed this amongst the Flight Test Safety Committee, that was uh, we felt it's still important to try to uh, continue the conversation about how we can make our safer and our products safer, and that we would attempt to do a an online remote mini workshop, a condensed, uh, highly impactful event. Uh, and with that, uh, I, I thought I recruited probably the best in, in this area of industry with Dr. John Thomas, uh, Malmquist, Fred George, uh, and others uh, on the active duty side. Uh, Air Force Colonel uh, Doug Wickard. Uh, is out there teaching RC corn at the U.S. Air Force Academy and at the Pentagon, Major Sarah Summers. And really, to me, an indicator that there is interest out there in this is that we had 555 registrants for this mini-workshop. Do you think there is a future for events like this to occur again? Great question. And I think the answer is most definitely. Uh, with these types of numbers that I just cataloged for you, that is, to me, a clear indication that doing uh, web-based delivery can reach a broader audience. Now, I think that the question that we'll have to ask ourselves is that if there's not a pandemic, if we're not quarantined in our home bunkers, uh, we're not teleworking, would we still get the same attendance levels? To me personally, I think that uh, focus towards you know, specific topics with more intensive tutorial-type delivery would probably be the most effective uh, and might get a little bit broader audience involved. So it, it, the challenge is really going to be the coordination and, and the energy in putting on these events. Overall, I thought it went very well. We, we had our challenges with the webinar platform, but uh, the polling questions when they asked about did we deliver on the objective stated, and that was, greater familiarity with SGPA, uh, better than 90% said agree or strongly agree. So with that, I think we can consider that we, we had a successful two-day mini-workshop. Here is what we know right now for upcoming events. 
As guidelines for group events continue to change and evolve, please check directly with the sponsoring organizations for the most up-to-date information. The 2020 AIAA Aviation Forum program is moving to a 100% virtual event that will take place between 15 and 19 June. Final details are being worked out, so please check the AIAA website for the latest information. Planning moves forward for the SETP Annual Symposium and Banquet in Anaheim, California, 23 through 26 September. The call for papers is out with a deadline of June 1st. The European Flight Test Safety Workshop, scheduled for 13 through 16 October in London, England, with the theme this year of Improving Flight Test Safety Through Enhanced Safety Risk Management. The call for papers for that is out as well, with a deadline for submissions on 31 July. And again, as a reminder, things are changing dynamically, so please check with the sponsoring organizations for the most up-to-date information. Well, that'll wrap us up for this month's edition of the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening. And as a reminder, if you have feedback or any topics you'd be interested in hearing about in an upcoming podcast, please let us know. And also, if you thought this content was worthwhile, please share it with folks you think would benefit. And until next time, be safe, be smart, be ready. So long, everyone.